Shammar in Mount Ephraim. He judged Israel twenty and three years and died and was buried in Shammar. And after him rose Jer, a Gileadite, and judged Israel twenty and two years. And he had thirty sons that rode on thirty ass colts. And they had thirty cities, which are called Havas Jer unto this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jer died and was buried in Canaan. You know, stop here a minute and say something. This really don't pertain to the message. But it's interesting when there's judges that rule and they rule well, there's not much said about them. But when there's problems, it's all recorded for us. Uh, we, you know, there's a whole chapter about Abimelech, um, and of course, then you know, this the rest of the chapter gets longer. But th- and I thought about that. You know, the what's the longest book in the New Testament, or what's the what's the church that has the most written to it? Corinthians. Why is that? Because they had the most problems that God was trying to. And by the way, God does this for our admonition and for our warnings, for our benefit. Anyway, that's just a side note. That's free. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines and forsook the Lord and served not him. I mean, it seems like every time they go into posse, there's more and more gods they're serving. And the anger of the Lord was caught against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the hands of the children of Ammon. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel. Eighteen years all the children of Israel that were on the other side of Jordan in the land of the Amorites was in Gilead. Moreover, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was sore distressed. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, We have sinned against thee, both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did not I deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines, the Donians also, and the Amalekites and the Moanites did, I, did oppress you? And ye cried to me, and I delivered you out of their hand. Yet ye have forsaken me, and served other gods. Wherefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of trouble, tribulation. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray thee, this day. And they put away the strange gods from among them, and served the Lord. And his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. Then the children of Ammon were gathered together and encamped in Gilead, and the children of Israel assembled themselves together and encamped in Mizpah. And the people and the princes of Gilead said to one another, What man is he that will begin to fight against the children of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. I've titled this, Receiving the Power and Blessing of God. <clears throat> Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this opportunity we have to look into your word tonight. Thank you for these Old Testament accounts of real people who lived in real time. And Father, who experienced many of the same things that we experience. And I pray that you'd help us to learn some truths from this account that would help us in this year 2016 in which we're living. That we might not fall into the same pitfalls and traps and snares of the devil that they did. 
but that we might have your power and blessing in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we really get into the message tonight, I want to want to make a reference to something here that's that's spoken of in this chapter. And, of course, we've seen this in other chapters, too. Verse 7, particularly, where it says, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he, he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the hands of the children of Ammon. Now, uh, even Wednesday night, or Thursday night, when we were looking at the, um, uh, Moses' prayer, uh, it says in, the, in Exodus 32:14 that he repented of the evil that he thought to do unto them. Uh, and there's an interesting verse in Isaiah 45:7. This is this has been a topic of discussion somewhat at our house here a little lately, and I, and I thought I'd just mention it tonight. But Isaiah 45:7 says this: "I form the light and create darkness. I make peace." And create evil. I the Lord do all these things. Now what does it mean? You know James tells us. James 1.13. That God cannot be tempted with evil. So what does it mean. When, when the Bible says. God's word says. That I create light. And I create darkness. And I create evil. And I create good. Well. <clears throat> The word evil, as it's used in the Old Testament many times, does not refer... You know, when we say evil, what do we think of? Wicked. Something that's wicked. Something that's immoral. Something like that. Uh, that's what the word evil to us in our day and time means. It didn't always mean that. In, for example, in Exodus chapter 32, in verse 14... The evil that God was going to do unto them was chastise them for their sin. And, and he did. You know, there was many that died. There was a plague, and many of them died from the plague. He didn't, do, he didn't do wickedness to them. He corrected them. You know, he's going to do evil. He's going to do evil to the nation of Israel. He's going to punish them. But what's the purpose of it? And, if, and, and, and Daniel 9 tells us what the purpose is. It's to bring an end to their transgressions. To bring Israel to repentance. So when, when the Bible says that God creates evil, or when, he's, when he brings, um, uh, as it says here in, uh, a num- or, uh, in Judges, where it says many times that, that God, you know, uh, sold them into the hands of the Philistines. He does this. It's, it's his judgment to correct their ways. What's going to happen to them if they don't correct their ways? What's going to happen to people if they don't change their ways? Where are they going? They're going to hell. They're going to hell. And so when, when God says he creates evil and the good, that's what, when he was talking about evil, that's what he's referring to. It's, it's judgment. It's, it's catastrophes. You know, many times it takes, it takes catastrophes to bring people to the realization of their need of God. Uh, for example, look at 2 uh, uh, Peter. <coughs> I'm sorry, it's First Peter. And this is what he's doing with Israel in, in, in all these occasions. 
in Second um, <clears throat> Peter chapter two, verse twelve says, "Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation." And when he refers to the day of the day of visitation, there refers to the day when God's judgment falls. Some calamity or some catastrophe comes about in their life. They may turn to you because they've beheld your conversation, your manner of life. Um, and so, so that's when when God said he 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 sold them. You know, he sold them into the hands of the children of Ammon. Why did he? You know, again, this word, and it, and it used to trouble me, when Saul sinned against the Lord. And the Bible says the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, that's a demon. An evil spirit, it's a demon, troubled him. And God sent it. Think about it. But think about it this way, too. When you disobey God, what are you doing? You're moving away from him. What are you opening yourself up to? You're opening yourself up to Satan. That gives Satan opportunity to work. So so this is what's happening to the children of Israel over and over and again. But we find here in this passage a good example of how to receive the power and blessing of God. Now, let's look at that tonight. First of all, it requires or involves true repentance. Uh, Notice verse 15. Verse 15. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee, Deliver us only, we pray thee, this day. So the first thing is, there must be confession of sin. They said, we have sinned. We have sinned. You know, if we want to have the power and blessing of God, we have to come to the conclusion that I am wrong. I have offended God. It's my fault. They're saying here, we're the ones that have sinned. We have sinned. God's not done anything wrong. God hasn't changed. We have sinned. When Nathan came to David and confronted him about his sin, what was David's response? I've sinned against the Lord. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we are faithful, uh, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, confession means to agree with God about your sin. You have to agree with him that we have sinned. Secondly, true repentance includes an acceptance of the consequences of sin. Notice again verse 15 says, And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. And notice this phrase. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Now it's one thing to say, I have sinned. It's another thing to say, do whatever you think is right. That's what David said, by the way, in, in Psalm 51, 
Psalm 51. And this again, this shows true repentance. In Psalm 51, verses 3 to 4, David said this, For I acknowledge my transgression, there's his confession, my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Now, if you remember, after David sinned, the prophet pronounced a fourfold judgment on David and his house. And David's saying here that God is justified in that judgment. He's right. God's right. Do thou unto me whatsoever seemest good unto thee. You know, David brought great public reproach upon the name of the Lord. Adultery and murder. And, and there were great consequences to that sin. Those sins. Of course, this requires, this requires an honest evaluation of self. You know, it's interesting in this chapter, in, in, verse, in verse 1, it says, And after Abimelech there arose to defend Israel Tola. You know what Tola means? And again, names in the Old Testament are, are important. Tola means worm. Worm. You know, here's, remember Abimelech, Abimelech exalted himself. And Tola means, means my father is king. Uh, and, but here Tola means, and he's the next judge, worm. That's, that's being honest with yourself. Job said, I'm a worm and no man. Moses said, who am I? That I should lead Israel. You know, David said that also. He said, who am I? Oh, Lord God, what is my house? You know, he was making reference to the fact that God promised him a son upon his throne forever, which will be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ in the millennial reign. So what, is my, what, am, what am I? Who am I? Isaiah said, Woe is me. Jeremiah, I am a child. Amos, I was no prophet or prophet's son. I was just a herdman. John the Baptist I'm a voice. I must decrease. He must increase. Peter said to the Lord, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And Paul, the great apostle Paul, said, I'm the chief of sinners. You see, there has to be an acceptance of the consequences, and this requires an honest evaluation of ourselves. You know, we really are nothing. You know, the Corinthians, they pride themselves in their gifts and their abilities and all the things that they had. And Paul said, what hast thou that thou hast not received? You know, don't puff yourself up. Knowledge puffeth up. So, an acceptance of the consequences. There's also an acceptance of whatever the Lord commanded them. Notice in verses 15 and 16 again, it says, And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray thee this day. And they put away the strange gods from among them, and served the Lord, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. 
So there, it requires an acceptance of whatever the Lord commanded them. You know, involved in repentance is we will, we will be willing to accept whatever it is God asks of us. You know, we find examples of this in the scriptures. Uh, for example, uh, the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13 it says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And we know that chapter 1 tells us that, that how they turn from idols to serve the living and true God. I mean, these people did a 180 and completely changed their lifestyles because of what they heard. And by the way, Paul wasn't there very long. He was running out of the city. But he taught all these things very early. And they, and, and they obeyed it. They, they accepted it as the truth. Uh, Peter, in, in writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.25 and 26, 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26. <clears throat> he says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. So there's, there's an acknowledging or accepting of the truth when confronted. You know, one of the things I've always looked for it, in people is as the kind of you know the Bible says by their fruits ye shall know them. One of the things I always look for in people is is when they're confronted with the truth, will they receive it or not? You know, I I've, I've had to confront some some people that you know I really wondered that had really bad tempers, and uh, but he received it. He received the truth. When he was confronted with it. I had others that say, oh well, just vote me out. It's like, they could care less what the Bible says. So it was an acceptance of whatever the Lord commanded them. And there was an action, meet, the word meet is what John the, John the Baptist used, a good biblical word, means fit. Or fitting. Action meet for repentance. Notice verse 16 says, And they put away the strange gods from among them. So, so you remember here, again, the context here is, they, they, they cried to the Lord, and the Lord said, Hey, you've been serving these idols? You know, you, I've delivered you all these times, and you've just gone back to the idols? You know, just, just kind of forget it. You can go call on your idols. He, 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 kinda, he brushed them off. you know what? They said, no. They said, we have sinned. Do whatsoever seemeth good unto us. Only deliver us. And, and, they, and they put away the strange gods which are among them and served the Lord. I mean, they just weren't just saying it. They were serious about it now. Now, it took all this hardship and difficulty they're, they're in, this vexation they're involved in, but now they're serious about it. They proved their sincerity. The reality of their words is proved by what they did. 
You know, that's what John the Baptist said to the Pharisees, you know, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 8, 8, and he said, he was talking about their giving, and he, he said, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. Okay, you said you would do it, and I'll prove, prove that you mean what you said. Again, Luke 19, 8, the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man. You know, he proved that he had a change of heart, that he had a change of mind and a change of heart, because he said, if I have taken anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said, this day is salvation come to this house. And again, the Thessalonian believers, how they turned from idols unto God. Jonah 3.3 is a good example. You know, they, they repented and sackcloth and ashes. And when God saw their what? Works. Their works. So, receiving the power and blessing of God involves true repentance. True repentance. And those things are, I believe, all involved in true repentance. Secondly, it, re- it involves receiving the light that God offers to us. Now, if you go to verse, go back to verse three, and again, I emphasize here, names are important. Uh, you have Tola, who means worm. Then you have this man by the name of Jer, and after him arose Jer, a Gileadite, and judged Israel twenty and two years. Jer, the name Jer means enlightenment. Enlightenment. When you repent, when you're honest with yourself, when you have a true evaluation of yourself, and you accept whatever the Lord commands you, and you're, you're will, you, know, you change your ways to, to, to be obedient to the Lord, God will enlighten you. You see, we must receive the light that God offers to us. And He offers it to us. To receive means to take into one's possession. You know, we often, you know, you, you know, I've often heard the illustration about a gift, a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. To make it yours, you have to receive it. You have to take it into your possession. And so to make the word of God, the light that God offers to you, you have to take it into your possession. If there's little receiving, there's little blessing. If there's Great receiving, there's great blessing. John 1.12 says, but as many as receive him. Of course, it starts with salvation. Many receive him. To them gave he power or the authority or the right to become the sons of God. Then John 17.8, for I have given given unto them thy words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. And have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. You see, they received, the disciples received his word. Now, there was one who did not. Again, this, is, this, is, this was of their own free will. It's up to us whether we are going to receive the blessing of God greatly or little. And how much we will receive of his word. God isn't going to pound it into your head. You have to open your heart and your mind to it. Judas didn't receive it. 
He heard everything. All of the other, the, all of the, all of the twelve heard all the same things. They saw all the miracles. They were able. To, they were able to go out and, and while Jesus beheld Satan and as lightning falls from the sky, they were able to be able to cast out devils and and do many wonderful works and and glory in that and rejoice in that. And they all saw that, including Judas. He didn't receive it. And he died and went to hell. But again, if we receive little, we have little blessing. If we receive much, there will be great blessing. You know, think about the men in the Bible and the women in the Bible that had great blessing from God. Moses, he received much. And he had great power with God. He could speak to God as a man speaks to a man face to face. And he was compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, one day God's going to raise up a prophet like unto me. Him will you hear. Paul received much. And he also suffered much. John, the apostle, received much. Mary. Mary received and believed the truth that God gave to her. Mary and Martha. You know, we can go on and on and on. Well, look at, look at Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Yeah, the old saying is, you get out of it what you put into it, right? Matthew 19, verse 27 says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone, now he's including you and I, and everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. You see, that promise is available to every one of us. Go to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14. <clears throat> Verse 15. Luke 14, 15. And one of, one of them that sat at meat with him heard these set things. He said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are about ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excuse. And others said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excuse. And others said, I have married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. 
So that servant came and showed his lord all these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly and into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in thither the poor, the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Now let's think about this parable, of the, what's called the parable of the Great Supper. And this man says to him, one of them says, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Oh, that'd be a real blessing. And so Jesus tells this story about man made great supper. And bade you know, bade these whom he invited to come and they began to make excuses. Well, I bought a piece of ground and I want to go see it. So I had an excuse. And I bought a yoke of oxen. I want to try them out, so I had an excuse. And I married a wife. So have me excuse. You see what and what's happening here is they're treating the Lord's supper of little importance. I mean, after all, you bought a piece of ground, it'll be there tomorrow. You have a yoke of oxen? You know, you got all season to try them out. And married a wife? Well, you know, there'll be another day. No, the whole point of this is, it's not really that important. It's not a priority. And I think what he's, he's saying this, probably to the Pharisees, you know, he offered to them to be part of the kingdom of God, and they didn't think it was of importance. They despised it. And he goes out in the highways and hedges and compels whoever to come in and they the Gentiles whom were despised by those who were invited. You know how often we treat the things of God with little respect. You know, Paul said in, in Thessalonica he used the word despise. And it means to, it doesn't mean to necessarily hate. It just means to lightly esteem it. Not really that important. Just lightly esteem it. A lot of people treat things of God that way. I mean, it's just a little, don't, you know, don't be so serious, preacher. Don't get fanatical about it. You know, we're busy. We have other things to do. Many times it's just people that are busy doing activities involving the Lord's work. Um, You know, that's what the children of Israel said here to the Lord. You know, they despised him and they turned away from him. And then he said to them, okay, go cry unto the gods whom you worship. If you don't want to serve me, that's fine. But go, if you want to help, then go to them. 
So, you notice here in verse 16 of our text in Judges 10, these people, it says, they put away and served the Lord. You know, they weren't serious before, but now they are. They are, they are serious about serving the Lord. They put away the strange gods which were among them, and they served the Lord. They served the Lord. They received the light that God gave to them. They served the Lord. And I want you to notice the Lord's response. Verse 16 again, it says, And they put away the strange gods from among them, and served the Lord, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. Now, notice it says, his soul was grieved. Now, what is your soul? It's the seat of your emotions, basically. You know, God's not this mean, unfeeling person and judge. God has feelings. God has feelings. In fact, Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. It was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You remember at the grave of Lazarus? Jesus wept. Remember when he went to... Um, I don't remember where it was. Gadara? I don't think it was Gadara. Nazareth, I think it was. And it says he looked round about on them in anger. That's a feeling. That's an emotion. And he did that because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. And his righteous indignation. Our anger many times is not righteous. But God has feelings. It says his soul was grieved. God is grieved when we disobey him. He's grieved. Look at uh, Psalm 103. Brother Hoyle mentioned this in Sunday school this morning. Psalm 103, verse 8. Your God is a God that has feelings, and he is grieved. Though he will judge us, and he will judge us severely and correct us from our ways, but he is grieved with our sin. The Lord is merciful, verse 8. And gracious, and slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor reward us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as, a gra- are as grass, 
as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. A place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. Again, you know, think of the pity and the mercy of God. What should have happened to David? The death penalty. That's what should have happened. But God said, David said, I have sinned, and God said, I have forgiven thy sin. God doesn't deal with us after our sins, and he does not reward us according to or right for our iniquities, what we deserve. You see, God is. God is a good and gracious God. Our God. I mean, it, you know, Nathan took half my sermon there. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, he's, He goes to and fro in the earth looking for those whose heart is perfect toward Him. And John 4.23 says that He... He, 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 he seeketh such to worship him. Now the word seeketh means, it, it, the idea there is, the word picture is, he's out looking for people. He's out searching for them to worship him. Yeah. I didn't find God, he found me. He's seeking us. He seeks us. He seeks to bless us and that we might receive of his power and blessing in our lives. You see, we can have the power and blessing, but it involves true repentance. It involves receiving the light that God offers and getting walking uprightly before him. Uh, for he seeketh such to worship him. Do you have the power and blessing of God in your life tonight? Or is there something that's between you and Him that you might need to put away? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior?